Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Claire. And this is Cece. And hello friends to our headline news edition of Season 3, Episode 1 of Sendition on September 12th, 2021. We have three very interesting stories and even better takes as per usual, so let's get into it. So our first story is Lebanon's version of Jeff Bezos is now Lebanon's Prime Minister. So his kids should meet uh, Najib Makati, he is Lebanon's richest man, and he has just started his third term as Lebanon's Prime Minister. So that country has not had a Prime Minister since a little over a year ago, I would say, when in August 4th, 2020, the previous guy had resigned after that headlining Beirut explosion that you guys probably heard about on the news. Because of that issue, people began protesting and attempting to call out the corruption and incompetence of the government, which somehow like allowed that explosion to happen. And remember that this was also in the middle of a pandemic, and considering the fact that the country has not been doing financially well since late 2019. So basically, this is all a big boiling pot of a mess. And finally, a year without leadership, Lebanon now has Mr. Makati, who is trying to restabilize his country. According to Mr. Makati, his first goal is to negotiate with the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, to get Lebanon the funding that it needs. And in order to combat doubts of his billionaire status when 75% of Lebanese residents do live below the poverty line. Mr. Mikadi has come out with claims that because his kids live outside of Lebanon and not with him, he understands the universal emotion of fear and hunger. And now hopefully we will see what happens with Lebanon in the future. And yeah. And also the reason why from more political structure standpoint, why it was so hard for Lebanon to get another prime minister is because Lebanon is actually a sectarian democracy. Fancy word, but it's pretty common actually. It just means that there are multiple political or in Lebanon's case, religious groups that shared guaranteed power. So, you know, like every group is guaranteed a few seats in Congress or not Congress, a few seats in their government. Oh, so it's and not in like Lebanon, America, right? Where it's yeah, fifty mm-hmm. or at least fifty yeah. percent of the vote, and then you get everything. Winner takes all. Yeah. Okay. No, but obviously it's still like the bigger group does have more power. They get to assign blah blah blah, or you know. Mm-hmm. And in Lebanon, because of the religion, they do have roles assigned to specific sex or basically those religious groups based on custom, right? The president is a Christian, the prime minister must be a Sunni Muslim, and the speaker should be a Shia Muslim. And many of these people have been criticizing this type of government that was supposedly supposed to solve uh, the problem that caused their civil war a few, like a decade and a half ago. But now many people claim that this has been causing the downfall of Lebanon. So... Just to explain, like, why they don't have a prime minister (laughs) for, like, a year, which is very, very rare here in the United States. So, Lebanon's system is just that 
every role has its own specific religious group and they can't change it it's not that they can't change it it's it's not that they can't change it it's more uh, based so it's supposed to balance out the religious tension and differences of lebanon so back in the civil war because of all those sects fighting mm-hmm. or sects fighting they this new democracy was supposed to make sure you know at least people are happy and content i would say with the power that they hold interesting solution <laughs> i've just never heard of a place doing that before yeah that that definitely is a different style i would say mm-hmm. i don't think it's you lebanon is the only country that has this or actually let me backtrack Lebanon is not the only country that does have a sectarian democracy where there are multiple political groups that, you know, like, there's... Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the very delicate and unique balance of religion Mm -hmm. is rare. Mm -hmm. Well, that was... The delicate balance of religion in specific government official roles is very rare. Mm Mm-hmm. And, well, one, <laughs> because it's rare and delicate, it's not doing well right now. Of course, it seems like it. No. I'm just hoping I that think we learn- oh, yeah. Najib Mikadi actually does help, because considering that mm-hmm. he's a billionaire and, what, 75% of Lebanese people live below the poverty line? I don't know, billionaires like Jeff Bezos- etc just seem very out of touch with that whole poverty issue yeah i would say so as well that's not to say that like i think people who have money know like can't are incompetent oh absolutely i'm yeah just saying that yeah yeah, yeah. definitely but i do know mm -hmm. like the famous millionaires that we see like Jeff Bezos again, treating their workers really terribly, treating people badly, and not using their wealth for any sort of good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they would argue differently, but... (laughs) Yeah, but objectively, I mean... mm. I think it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah... Obviously, they're in different. Com- I I would definitely say they are different positions. Jeff Bezos is a citizen who has the right to do what, what he wants with his money, but this guy is a the prime minister, which means he's obligated um, to his duty as a civil servant. Right. That's true, though. And yeah, you know, you can't just throw money at things either. Mm-hmm. You could get voted out of office, right? Um, or is that not so, how this works? How this works is that the um, prime minister is agreed upon by the politicians. Like, the Ouch. sects, not by election. Well... So same with, like, Britain. In that case... 
So yes, they could like kick him off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's what but you're what's saying. What's like the like but the actual actual likelihood his... of mm-hmm. him being kicked off if he does a bad job? You, he could resign. Yeah, I mean, because for what America, if the president does a, like a horrible job, then they can be voted out of office after four years, after one full term, right? But oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know if it works. Well, obviously it works differently here. I just don't know if there's any like corruption or incompetence issues within the government that lets extremely powerful people like him to stay in power even though he's doing a shit job. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's doing a mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in the case that he is. Not he's oh, actually oh, doing oh, a shit okay. job. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, so, I mean, this is his third term, so either there's credibility in his past two terms, or it's just bribery, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But even even if there is that sort of, con, um, like, he's not that powerful, right? It took a full year to get him mm-hmm. appointed again. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely contention within... Well, between the factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but his... I think it's definitely one... I wouldn't say worthy of criticism, but it is, like, I am definitely skeptical whether this billionaire can... I mean, as a prime minister, right? Not only are you supposed to come up with strategies but you know you're a political you're a public figure who should be showing compassion and respect mm-hmm. um what a good prime minister does mm-hmm. and the last comment seemed a little tone deaf yeah i wasn't very sure what that opinion. meant <laughs> just oh my kids live outside lebanon so i get the universal emotion of fear and hunger I don't quite understand yeah. that. I think because it's from his eyes, right? Like, there's some emotions that no matter how rich you are, you always face, right? Fear of the future, right? Um, mm-hmm. When you can't, you know, I, I, for him, right? As a parent, if your kids are living outside the country, right? You're probably fearful for them every day like no matter how rich you are and how like if you have bodyguards surrounding your kid you're i mean as a parent right you're still rightfully scared Mm -hmm. because you can't protect them no yeah i completely understand that yourself my well i'll just say what i think just i'm not sure where his kids live and exactly how they're living like it seems that because people are saying that oh lebanese residents around 75 percent of them live below the poverty line so i'm just thinking mm-hmm. do his kids experience that or are they actually yeah, in a obviously comfortable not position? <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying so like based on his yeah. standards this just seems kind of out of touch yeah, I would say it's a feeble attempt. Yes. At relatability. Yeah, I don't think he actually under 
stands to an extent. Of course, he can have his own concerns and worries, but just not to that degree, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. So for our second story, the Supreme Court of Brazil soon to rule on indigenous land. Last week, arguments were made regarding indigenous land claims. Back in 2016, a ruling stated that the indigenous claims for land were only valid if they were occupied by 1988, which is when Brazil ratified its constitution. Indigenous tribes such as the Zocling and groups such as the APIB are fighting to get rid of that deadline or cutoff mark of 1988 since their people have lived on the land for centuries. From an environmental standpoint, indigenous control of the land often slows down the deforestation of landmark places such as the Amazon rainforest. On the other hand, however, the farming industry argues that if that 1988 mark was not passed, many small farmers would have been pushed off land that they have been working on since the 1950s. Additionally, the agribusiness industry has been bustling and contributed highly to economic growth in Brazil. The Supreme Court has yet to reach a decision which contributes to the tension of the farmers and the indigenous people. Demonstrators have shown up across the area, including indigenous Zocling people, whose case spurred this current hearing. The ruling will also affect several hundred other claims of land that either will be returned to indigenous groups or used for farming and mining. Oh, we always have this issue. <laughs> indigenous land versus industrialization. And I think it's specifically prominent in Brazil. It's pretty obvious if you have kept up with the environmental news even just a teensy bit you or you know taken an environmental science class in school you know how important the amazon rainforest is mm -hmm. like it's super duper important and a lot of the issue with it nowadays is deforestation right where they're cutting down trees in order to make land for farming and unfortunately, the farming is very unsustainable. It's like a harmful type of farming. Claire, you've heard of slash and burn farming, right? Yes. Yeah, where it's just a run through. And not slash and burn has been proven to be like to degrade the environment in the long term. Mm hmm. You know, but the and even sh yeah. But the thing is, with the Brazil people, the only reason they're really continuing this is for economic profit, instead of you know trying to preserve their environment. And that's like a huge issue that we run into all the time now. Mm -hmm. And the indigenous people, like the Zoclin, generally have a more sustainable way of living than these industrial farmers and the indigenous mm -hmm. people do know how to manage land they've been managing their land for centuries mm -hmm. and it's not to say that there are like back then in when i took ap ap environmental science right we learned about many native tribes who or you know people hundreds and hundreds of years ago back then who brought themselves to environmental destruction. Mm -hmm. It's not new, but definitely the ones who lasted till today are the ones who know how to manage the land. Mm -hmm. And it's not exactly their techniques either. It's a combination of that plus the culture that they've been brought up in. 
Because generally indigenous people, indigenous. Oh my god. Because generally indigenous people have learned to treat the land as. I guess one can say like an actual human being. Like they say that oh everything has a soul, including like the trees, the animals, everything. So. They're not exactly one to. Burn, like sla- like do things like slash and burn farming. Because they know it's harmful for the environment. It's harmful to the plants and the animals in their area. And because of that, they're able to preserve their land for hundreds of years. So many centuries. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely another one is like overconsumption. It's not just protecting their land. Because they do have to do some things. But it's also making sure that you only use what you need. Mm, absolutely. They, use, they also use everything. Mm-hmm. Right? You see... And it's, well, how do I say? And it's pretty common also or reflective in today's culture as well. You can see like tidbits of it, like fish, right? Mm. If you go to, like, if you order fish at a an American restaurant or somewhere in Europe, no one's going to eat the eyeballs. Oh, yeah, but they think it's gross. In China or in some parts of Asia... Eyeballs are pretty good. I used to like eating them a lot. Obviously, they're dead, right? Yeah, pretty good <laughs> as in, like, people enjoy eating them and not throwing yeah, away. Yeah, it's sort of using everything that you have. Mm-hmm. And not just for everything eating as well, because I remember in school, we used to learn that indigenous people took also, like, the bones and the blubber and used them to make weapons, candles, etc., or take like the hide and make a coat out of it after they've killed the animal for food. Like they don't kill the animal just for the sake of skinning it, you know what I mean? And if they do, they use all the other parts too. Yeah. And unfortunately, our industrialized way nowadays is definitely hard not to use products that have been so unsustainably been made Mm -hmm. right but i do think that as a consumer and or as consumers we do have some sort of power right our power is basically buying powder buying power we buy what we like and if those goods are and if we choose to buy goods that are good for the environment, right, companies will naturally go for that as well. Like, they'll start trying to make sustainable goods. However, of course, there's like caveats to that, you know, just false marketing if they choose yes. to or sneaky tactics. And in the end, it's just production for just profit and not for the good of the environment. There's also the issue with because, price, you know, I think. Like oh, fast, yeah, yes. Like fast fashion, everything. Like, remember when we used to be in middle school, go to the mall together, and we'd be like, "Oh my god, a five dollar shirt! I can totally afford that." And then we'd buy mm-hmm. like three of them. I feel like all of us have at least in some way contributed to this fast fashion because of the example that I said before, but also impoverished communities and families don't have exactly a means to pay for a $30 t-shirt that was sustainably made. 
But at the same yeah. time, I feel like it's also, like you said, overconsumption. Like, buying things that you don't exactly need. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, buy what you need. And if you can, if you're able to, buy from sustainable brands. Instead of places like Shane. Like what? Shane, or Shine. S-H-E-I-N. That really bad, horrible company fast fashion Shein? Shein? i have no idea how to say it (laughs) shut up and like also like (laughs) dude they also steal their designs from local artists like small businesses they steal their designs from small businesses it's terrible by the way like people who do buy Shein, if Shein is is affordable and within the budget for many people and you know, if that is your budget, like, don't feel ashamed to buy from Shein or any other fast fashion brands. But for people, but don't like, don't worry that, like, you're contributing to the rise of fast fashion because it's, these companies are not riding on the backs of that, but they're riding on the backs of people who are doing, like, $1,000 hauls, mm-hmm. right? And buying a, so much stuff that they don't need. And those people can afford to buy more sustainable uh, clothing, but they just choose not to. Right, and there's also, like, another issue, overconsumption, when they don't wear the stuff that they buy. And, of course, fast fashion, cheap clothes, you buy a ton of stuff, maybe, like, in the halls that you just mentioned. And everything else also just goes to the landfill, and that also contributes to, like, bad climate. It's a never-ending cycle. (sighs) And... You know, we're not gods either. Like, no. we bought from... Actually, I've never bought from Shein, but... Not Shein, I bought no. from, like, Forever 21 and other... Like, Forever 21 back when H&M sucked. <laughs> and then other brands as well. Yeah. But, you know... If, you know, those are the clothes you have, don't feel that you should go out and buy sustainable clothing. The most sustainable thing you can do is just wear the clothes that you already have. Mm-hmm. Don't buy too much to the point where you don't wear anything that you buy. Just be more responsible. That's like <laughs> that's like the big thing. Oh, I want to say also, um I know we went on a little tangent, but talking about the astronomical problem or as that TikTok was like, the noise in here is astronomical. <laughs> The really big problem of climate change, Brazil still relies a lot on this type of fast farming. And the president, who happens to be a far-right politician, is backed by some very powerful people in that industry. And unfortunately, it's not just the president. I mean, many members of their Congress, like all the chambers and whatnot, are probably backed too as well. Or at least some are backed. Considering the fact that a bill had just recently passed in the lower chambers that basically reaffirms the 1988 cutoff date into law. So the 1988 is, like, that big date was a ruling, but now it's going to be a law. Great. If it passes again. Great. This is bribery. Corruption for profit. Yeah, so it's not just oh yes, yeah, dude. If this 
Earth fails, we got nowhere else. Yeah. We have nowhere else. I mean, mm -hmm. and this isn't really bribery because bribery is generally illegal, but all this backing and funding is legal if mm -hmm. Brazil, which most likely follows along the same law of funding as, as the U.S. Fun. You know, all the PACs, all the... Ah, uh, yes, the um, funding and things like that. The fundraisers, the 502s. It's all legal. Cool. So be wary of where you put your money. Mm-hmm. And moving on to our last story, we are going to California where a Silicon Valley startup stirs trouble in the other Californian valleys. Picasso, not the painter, but like O. Picasso, P-A-C-A-S-O, born out of the Bay Area, runs on the business model of buying houses in vacation-like areas or ideal areas, making them LLC and which is basically called limited liabilities corp just to make sure uh llc or a limited liability corporation and selling it back in shares to a group of co-owners until the house is fully sold sold to the co-owners it uh picasso started out by purchasing homes in napa and sonoma valley taking about like four to five million dollar houses and splitting them into shares of around 500k. One of their founders is actually a Napa resident, and he has definitely faced hurdles from these homeowners and their associations. One of these homeowner residents, Holly Kulak, is one of the many neighbors who think Picasso is intruding on their nice little community since these shareholders who are not natives to the community may disregard rules and customs along with potentially bringing in loud parties and causing wildfires. A valid problem. Also, because the house is now considered an LLC, the owners don't need to pay any occupancy tax. Occupancy tax. And this builds on the fact that in Sonoma County, where Airbnb is actually banned, Picasso seems to be acting in a way to skirt around the rules and turn the places into a vacation place, uh, a vacation area instead of a community. Organization, organizations like Stop, ironically, Sonomans together opposing Picasso have formed an offensive against the startup, lobbying real estate agents, petitioning the city council, and sharing uh, advertisements in all forms of media. There have even been in-person protests in St. Helena, which is a city, and it was soon and the event was soon followed by Picasso filing against the city for its timeshare ban. Maybe the concerns hold some truth, uh, since according to Permit Sonoma, there has been one warning of lodging violation against the startup. But what about people that actually want to live in those places? Like this kind of. This reminds me of a story about UC Berkeley. I'm pretty sure maybe some of you heard about it. About how the Berkeley city sued UC Berkeley 
for not having enough housing for their growing number of students. Mm-hmm. And this has caused the students to live in more recreational areas instead of dorms, right? And that, in turn, eradicates housing for the residents of Berkeley and spurs on hopelessness around the city. Uh, I see what you mean. Right? Yeah. So, I think that is also a concern that some people have. But I wouldn't say in this case they're really... it specifically helps with the home problem since these houses are very expensive true though isn't there a possibility that this company will continue to grow and then start making bigger issues like this i mean that might be thinking too soon into the future Mm -hmm. for us to complain about yet but yeah I do think that is a valid concern in the future. I just don't see it as so much as an issue because I think if you can afford those types of houses, because the point was to make it for people who have who can't afford those houses to have access to such expensive houses. Mm. Okay. So not so much causing a housing problem but possibly causing a migration problem because those expensive houses right in napa valley and sonoma valley if they're being turned into more of a vacation area by these uh, timeshares and i'm assuming what these homeowners think are beneath them right they move out to other areas and maybe out of California. Ah, uh, so like more displacement. Not necessarily displacement, but just a big moving of people. Yeah. Mm. So for, according to Picasso, this actually somehow helps the housing problem because you have people who can't afford $4 million houses, but they can afford 500000 right? Mm-hmm. And if there's eight owners, right? If you need the house for, well, if you want to live somewhere for two months, then, you know, go ahead. But they bring that up as a, like, they're kind of helping the home, the the housing problem. But in general, their purpose was just to offer, uh, offer those who couldn't afford it a second home. Mm. Like, you know, back then, vacation homes were super popular, like, near the beach. Um, n- yeah, near the beach and near sunny areas. But back then, the housing was obviously much more affordable. More reasonable. Yeah, more reasonable. And so second homes are, you know, beyond most people's dream. Like, even a first home is... Right, uh, like hard to attain now. Like one thing I want to know about these Silicon Valley startups is that mm. actually no. Okay. 
Yeah. So it seems like it's more of a funny thing is that is Picasso started out as this guy who's like he bought his second home and he's like, man, this feels nice. Other people should also have that feeling of being able to, you know, vacation in a second home. But he realized, oh, oh my God, sorry, it's probably too expensive for uh for most people. So let me, you know, make that an opportunity while other people say, hmm, this is a see it as this guy is just taking advantage of communities because Napa and Sonoma, although they are vacation tourist spots, very rarely are there. Although they're tourist spots, they're not really vacation. Mm. The areas that they bought it in weren't vacation homes. Mm. All right, like people go to hotels and stay for like a night or two. Yeah, they don't vacation there. And for also like considering months. Airbnb is banned there. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a bunch of somewhat wealthy homeowners just fighting each other to fight against yeah. this other wealthy entrepreneur it's a very rich war it's a rich yeah also i just want to like one thing i wanted to know is that like this is the power you have when you have money and time <laughs> and not even money time right because many people know, oh, th- like, this is why corporations get away with so much in poorer neighborhoods is because no one has the time or the resources to do this stuff, like mm-hmm. lobbying real estate agents, petitioning the city council. It's easy to do that when those city council members are your friends or right. your neighbors. Right, if they have the time and the resources to actually fight back against this then communities would look very different. Like, for example, if rich people place, like, a coal mine in an impoverished neighborhood, not many people will speak up because, one, that provides them jobs and things like that, but also they just don't have the resources. Nor will the council even really care. Yeah. So... There you go. And not to say they aren't, you know, people have the right to do what, you know, fight for what community they want to build. But, you know, these people are fighting against loud parties, but no one's fighting against polluted air. Or... Right? They're fighting against trying to keep their communities limited to them and only them. Gatekeeping girl bosses. Yeah! <laughs> Anyways, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for listening. But before we leave you, we still have our Sunday snippet into the past. On September 12, 2011, New York City opens up the 9-11 Memorial Museum for the public to commemorate all those who lost their lives and the fight against terrorism. Like. Well, once again, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and have a good Sunday.